think of when you hear shoplifting? You might think it's just a low-level crime with a bunch of teenagers stealing some makeup at Sephora. But no, it's actually a big deal. Lots of people don't think it is a big deal, but there is big money and organized crime. And Nigel gives us a front seat look into many different aspects of what you might consider to be a low-level crime. Think health and safety, child labor. Let's get started. It's another great episode. We have a very exciting guest today. Well, we always do, but this is a new topic for Fraudish, and it is Nigel Ramutar, who is in Canada. We love our neighbors to the north. And um, Nigel is, I'm going to say he is a specialist in organized retail crime, and we're going to give him his minute to do his elevator speech, but we'd like to start with a quick speed round of word associations. So Nigel, when you hear the word fraud, what do you think of? Checks being stolen and used at the bank, credit cards, and of course, gift cards, especially this time of the year. Oh yeah, the holiday season is here. And so this is another great reason to have ORC on Fraudish. Um, okay, when you hear the word ethics, what do you think of? I think about integrity of an individual and how to present themselves. And at the same time, uh, how you do your business as an individual uh, to the public, your persona, I would say. Okay, I like that. We have lots of integrity here and we only have guests with integrity, I will tell you that. Um, And then finally, um, who makes better embezzlers, men or women? Uh, That's a really tough question, but I want to say women, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, women tend to have an opportunity to lead the individual by, uh, and I don't want to sound as though I'm being sexist. Um, I want to let it know that they have a way with words, and men sort of follow along that way. I could be wrong, but in my experience, over in dealing with this sort of uh, atmosphere, as we put it, to be politely. I've seen these things transpire. I'm with you there. I am with you there. Okay, so Nigel, let's give the audience your background and how you ended up on Fraudish. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Kelly. You're really honored to be here in your talk show. And I, my background, I started as a physical security guard in the industry of security. Um, A little bit of excitement to some folks. I worked at a adult nightclub where I got my first exposure to organized crime. This is where I saw drugs being sold, uh, certain acts being performed, and uh, meeting law enforcement in the undercover capacity. After that, I got into physical security and started traveling around, learning about fire alarms and buildings, et cetera. Pretty, pretty boring stuff, concierge stuff, stuff like that. Believe it or not, though, even within that industry, there's still theft, theft of merchandise, that's on the property that's being used for construction, et cetera, in that aspect. Then I fell into loss prevention. And when I got into loss prevention, my eyes were open because here it is, we were in the retail world, folks were coming in, uh, some places I worked, they were grocery stores, they sold food. Some people were hungry, it's understandable, they would take it, but not the guy or girl loading up 10 steaks. And for some reason, diamond black cheese was a thing. They would steal all the brick cheese. 
So I was wondering, where where is this stuff going? So one day, I decided to follow someone. And lo and behold, it's about maybe a block away, they were selling to a mom and pop store. As this progressed, I was fortunate enough to work for the Hudson Bay, where I was introduced to remote monitoring. Um, this is when they had the Zeller's Banner, Home Outfitters, and Hudson Bay, and we did investigations online. And we would look for shoplifters in the stores and work with the guys in the stores and say, hey, this person's stealing. And before you know it, sure enough, we're catching folks. But one of the things I noticed because I was in remote monitoring is groups of individuals traveling from store to store. And I started realizing, wait a minute, they're utilizing our local transit. They're utilizing our highways and they tend to hit off the highways, stores that are accessible in plazas, even though we may have a couple off the beat, they tend to hit those. And I started recognizing what organized retail crime was. Then I got into looking at frauds. And my first set of fraud I ever touched was gift cards. And I was a little bit confused at first because I looked at the gift cards and what are they doing with these things? Well, one group would come in and steal. Another group would take the gift cards from returning the items, and then another group would go and spend it. Sometimes you get the not-so-savvy individuals, they'll leave their phone number or their email. And we've been practicing OSINT for a very long time, open source intelligent investigations. So therefore, we started looking around, we started tying pieces, and back then Facebook had a little bit laxative, as they call, or a lack of security on it where you could find individuals by phone numbers and emails, and lo and behold, we're being led to finding folks selling on the marketplace. And this opened up my eyes even more. My uh, biggest achievement is working at Sears Canada Inc., unfortunately no longer in Canada, where I was opened up to the National Logistics Center. Uh, we were successful in doing a $750,000 gift card case. Um, this was rather unique where we had two individuals plus their mom involved where they were, of course, shoplifting, returning the gift cards, and then utilizing the gift cards. These three, however, we did surveillance, managed to follow them, went to their home, had law enforcement involved. Of course, they did their wonderful stuff. Found out that the house was a mortgage fraud. Added to that wonderful head. So even in the world of retail, when folks say, oh, it's just clothing, it's just this, it opens up your eyes and leads you to much, much more that's out there. And that's a little bit of me. Well, so, and we always talk before we do the present or the episode. And we had talked about so many people think of shoplifting as a victimless crime, yes. which is just so wrong. Yes. Someone so, pays for it. <laughs> that's correct. And uh, it's normally us, the consumers. And uh, let me let me kind of break it down for you, because people think, you know, shoplifting, like you said, is such a, a simple thing. Let's take a mom and pop store. Right. They take the money, they buy their inventory and, you know, that inventory they got to make profit from. However, if X and Y come in and steal from them, not only do they have to replace that inventory, they have to replace the cost that's coming out of their pocket. It's the same thing with big businesses. People think, oh, yeah, there's insurance that's going to cover it. You'd be surprised actually what they are covered by insurance. And each year, 
that price of the beautiful sweater that you paid 30 bucks for last year, guaranteed you're going to be paying 50 bucks for it. And shoplifting leads to other aspects of other things, which can be a health concern, which many people don't take into consideration. When brand name items are stolen or items that are stolen from stores and then resold on marketplaces, classified ads, you go to flea markets, you go to mom and pop stores, retailers have a standard of health care, the quality control it's called. This quality control ensures the consumer will have a good product in their hand that's not tampered, not damaged. Now, there are things that will slip through the crack. Let's be realistic. Human error does occur, right? But not to the scale and the danger of when you buy products outside. And, and I often hear people say, well, you know what? The corporations make so much money, you know, don't worry about the loss. Well, you know what? That neighbor down the street whose son is going to work and people start stealing from that location, eventually the location's going to go, we don't have enough hours. We don't have enough income. Eventually, that business closes up and goes away. And everybody goes, well, what happened to that business? Sometimes it could be poor management. But you'd be surprised in one out of every five business within a certain area are impacted by theft, depending on the area, depending on the response and the way the things are dealt with, tend to close business down. During the pandemic, we've seen this. And we're seeing this more and more happen. Look at San Francisco. We've seen some of the stuff happening there as well where stores are being closed, retailers are moving away. Even with within the Canadian market, the Vancouver area, you're seeing this happening as well, in some areas as well. So retail theft, again, like I said, expands it a lot more. Yeah, which you touched on this briefly, uh, intellectual property and brand protection. And, you know, I work for a large footwear retailer and we work closely with brand protection. And a company spends a lot of time, money, energy to build up a brand. And when people counterfeit it, which you also do that type of work, it lessens the brand for health reasons, for safety reasons. It is, it, and that's, again, where organized crime comes in. Like, there is a lot of money to be made. Uh, I think the the exact amount or approximate amount is $400 billion estimated in the last couple of years during the pandemic. So that's $400 billion out of that percentage that could be going to honest, hardworking folks, going to businesses that can keep open. And, and like you said, you touched on the healthcare. And let, let me explain a little bit about this. How many of uh, folks have gone into a flea market and you walk in and you see these great Louis Vuitton bags and Gucci bags and Gucci belts and jackets. And you're like, wow, 20 bucks. That's a great deal. Who doesn't want a bag for 20 bucks, right? Problem folks is the materials being used to make that product. It's not in a controlled environment. And again, people will say, well, you know, it's a corporation, you know, they, they're just doing this thing. No, folks, they actually take a certain standard. So say, for example, your kid who might be a toddler takes that and starts chewing on it. At least there are some precautions that are taken about it. Warnings. When you go to flea market, not to, not to knock on a flea market, folks, pretty hardworking guys. And gals, um, just to let you know that that toddler picks up that item that's not in a controlled environment and starts chewing on it, you may unfortunately end up in a hospital, in an emergency ward, and God forbid anything else happens more seriously. 
So being aware of the type of products you buy for cheap, just because it's a great deal, doesn't mean it's great for you health-wise. It's not always about the money, folks. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're buying. It's the best advice I can give you. And over the years, I've been involved in intellectual property investigations. I've seen some pretty interesting things, including uh, some funny stuff along the way as well. (laughs) Well, and we had talked before, you know, you have child labor. You have what you just talked about, materials that could be toxic. Um, And... Like, you know, I will admit in my early 20s, before I became in law enforcement, I'd go to New York and we'd go down to, you know, where there were all sorts of counterfeit things. And my sister is an artist and I bought a, you know, knockoff and she looked at it and she goes, I know the woman who designed that. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done doing this. And my sister has a business and I jokingly told her when they start knocking off your stuff, that means you're successful. You know, it's funny as that sounds, it's exactly true, because the more success you build, these individuals want to covet what you have because it's not it's going to bring revenue. And like, again, it calls back to the flea market, the mom and pop stores that you're seeing selling these items that are counterfeit. And unfortunately, people like your friends, your sister's friend, they lose that revenue that they could help them build and create employment within the market. And counterfeit goods in Canada, you can own it, but you can't sell it. And I know there's a, some great gentlemen that are working on this. There's a firm called um, Lipkus, which is Mr. Lauren Lipkus, and a, an ex-detective, which is Robert Whelan. They're big advocates for the counterfeit. They've been working on trying to bring more awareness. And uh, I encourage you to look more at them and see what they're doing in the Canadian market for this type of atmosphere as we put it politely but as we continue we're going to see this happen because organized crime knows you can make money off of this so do you have a favorite case that you can talk about maybe anonymize it a little bit i'm i'm picturing you following people i mean i loved surveillance when i got to do surveillance oh man i loved it Without uh, naming names, uh, I will touch on the cannabis industry that is now exploding within the Canadian market. Within the cannabis industry, there are products that are being sold that may or may not have infringement trademarks on them. Now, for an individual that I had a case investigated and I looked at and I followed, and as well as doing some online surveillance, you'd be surprised how many connected dots, I call them, are around, including e-commerce, physical presence, and even on a side hustle, as we put it. And these individuals, they don't care. They want to make their money and they'll push it until they receive a cease and desist letter, as per Canadian law. Uh, most of them don't end up in court. And this individual, although uh, I can't speak to who they are or what they are or what they were doing, they fall into that category. My biggest concern are those consumers that were acquiring products from this individual. I was one of those consumers as well because I wanted to find out what they were providing as a product. And lo and behold, let's say that uh, it's less than par. So again, warning, beware of the individuals that you purchase for them. Make sure they are a registered business. Make sure 
that you know the health standards around that business. And be careful because if you put your credit card or your debit card on a website that you don't know about, that may also get stolen as well, too. Right. Absolutely. So I think a lot of people have the perception that, um, you know, shoplifters are just, I'm going to say, um, most of them, and I could be wrong about this, most of them are female. Um, they go into a mall. I was just in Denver and I was hanging out with a criminal justice professor and uh, we went into this one high-end leather store and the woman said something and she figured out what we did and she goes, oh, we just had a young woman come in here. She went in the dressing room and she came out with like half of what she had and she just raced out of the store and she had just put clothing on top on top of clothing and she goes and we can't do anything so it used to be and we in the states we've had a lot of cases where shoplifters have been chased out of a store have been physically injured some have been killed and so retailers have gone to the point where it's like it's just not worth the liability the risk to go after these people what do you say to that well, I will always, first of all, protect the frontline workers. Uh, you know, they're family members, they're, they could be your friends, whatever the case is. And, and the corporations are, are taking the step that they believe that will keep their staff safe in this case. However, there are some corporations that still try and practice loss prevention for the fact of having apprehensions. Now, the fact that you said that person came in and stole and put all those clothes on and ran out, from my experience, I could tell you that's not the first rodeo, so to speak. That kind of person, then what would be encouraged at the store level is to inform the asset protection or your loss prevention department. Let them know because they can connect the dots. So it's not always that they're getting away with it. It may seem at that point in time they're getting away with it. And yes, sometimes they do get away with it, Clayton. But the more they do stuff like that, the more information collected, you can put it together and you can have a case. And as for right now, yes, there's a lot of sensitive or sensitivity, I should say, around apprehensions, type of individuals being arrested, a little bit to do with um, drug addiction, human trafficking. All of this is being looked at. And I, I hate to say this, but sometimes it has to get really bad first before it gets better. And for me personally, uh, I'm passionate about what I do. So it really sucks for my colleagues to see that's happening, you know, I, I can't put a stamp on it and say that's what it is. But I know eventually it will change and it will lead to other changes that not only protects the business, but protects the employees and hopefully protects the consumers. Well, and I have heard this and I don't know if it's urban legend or not, but some stores, there's cameras everywhere. You know, there's just cameras everywhere. They will let people walk out with stuff and then they'll just tally it. And then when it gets to a certain dollar amount, then they'll pull the trigger. There are uh, certain cases uh, where that does happen. It depends on the retailer. It depends on the quantity or the pricing of the goods. I should get the cost of the goods, I should state. For example, uh, some retailers sell jackets that are 10 grand, right? Some retailers sell jackets that are 500 bucks, 100 bucks. Now, if someone goes in and steal, steals one or two of those jackets, Yes, they're going to report it because both theft over. When you have individuals who know how the system works, 
they will go and target smaller stores and they target a certain amount of quantity of goods. So that way they can resell it and at the same time slide under the radar as they call it. But like you said, eventually those retailers tally it up and they go after them. The situation I see, and I, I don't want to point fingers because I have a lot of law enforcement contacts and friends, and we're, we're all at the same situation where we want the laws to change so there's more impact to this activity that is happening. Well, yeah. In the U.S., there was a case just recently in the greater Chicago area. And again, people just are like, oh, it's just shoplifters, you know. Eh. I believe one it was one event or I think it was one day they hit a bunch of stores and it was $750,000 worth of goods in one day. Yeah, it's, it's very often. So just to give those folks an idea, um, the, the folks that are stealing, uh, they're what we call the boosters or the theft. And then they go to a fence, which is the middle guy. And the middle guy, he then can do a couple of other things. He could then repackage those items. He probably has a store that wants those items so he can fulfill his inventory obligations. And he's selling it at a percentage to those folks or maybe a higher markup, but it's all 100% profit. The folks who are the boosters, they're going to get a percentage of it. Now, there are some people who are repeat offenders, not to be mistaken with boosters. Repeat offenders are individuals who will steal to supplement a habit, maybe an addiction or substance abuse of some sort. Uh, they're not to be underestimated as well because they eventually can be trained to boost and bring goods to that fence. Now, sometimes what happens with boosters is they'll work in a couple of them, two or three of them. One will go in a store, one will keep an eye, one will distract your staff, and the other one will steal. Or one will stand right in front of them while the other person is stealing just to make sure that they're covered. They're aware there's cameras. They're, they're not afraid of the cameras. They're not afraid because somebody's they get a slap on the hand and they're gone because you can't find them. And let's face it, the pandemic has made it that much more difficult. And they've realized that having masks has helped them. So again, it's awareness of what's going on in your store and your environment in order to deal with these type of activities. Um, I've been doing a lot with fraud and pop culture. Are there any sort of movies or TV shows that you think are good examples of boosters and the middlemen? And I, I'm trying to think of like, you know, of course I think of Sopranos and, you know, Tony Soprano getting stuff off the back of a truck. But are there anything? I think we talked about. Was it? There's a, there's a classic one I can tell you. Goodfellas. Okay, Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in okay. Casino, it talks about the organized crime. And I know people will say, "Oh, that's extreme, right?" But if you see in Goodfellas, they're at, they're at this one shop, and they you see guys going in the front with stuff, and then guys going out the back with it, and that's actually. What happens? And people are, they take it for granted. I, I bet you there are folks going down the street and they see a store and go, wait a minute, what's going on? I'll come there. Going with that. Come, oh, okay. You know, and they, they keep on going, not realizing they're acting, witnessing. So for myself, uh, I think it must have been about in, in my 20s, I, I went into a flea market and I bought a hockey jersey. Uh, of course, I, I like the Maple Leafs. I know some people are not big fans. I love my Maple Leafs. Anyhow, uh, Brought it home. I thought it was the best thing. 
until I washed it and it faded really badly. And I realized I was duped. My interest grew since then. So again, for us out there, right? You can go to these stores. You don't know what's going on to the back, but if you see it, you might get curious about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I remember, you know, when I was like, before I went to college, my dad would go to Chicago and he'd bring home the fake Rolexes and, you know, they'd last for maybe a month or two. Um, so, and you know, there's good ones and then there's really crappy ones. So the whole thing with the Rolex was the, 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 um, second hand had to be smooth. If it ticked, yes. you're like, Oh, that yeah. you know <laughs> yeah kind of the jewelry well, what, what are some of the what are some of the i'm going to say like another one is louis vuitton i think is they never sew through the letters on the um like seams yeah that's correct from what i know understand is that they have a specialized tailor actually that they get their product from um louis vuitton unfortunately is, is a very counterfeited item you can find wallets you find bags shoes and, and a lot of people you know they're not really aware of what those things do and i mean we touched on a little bit of the health aspect of it but uh, at the same time they could be funding organized crime every time you buy stuff on a marketplace or or you go to your classifier. You ever go to a marketplace? You ever see that one guy? Let's just call him Joe. And Joe's always getting something every week for his birthday. It's either a drill, a saw, or, you know, razors. And razors seem to be a, a big thing, right? It's a little bit expensive. So you go on marketplace and you search up razor blades, and there you go. Joe just got a whole bunch for his birthday, and he wants to sell it right away. These are little identifiers that you could be supplying someone else with a larger issue. And some people are like, well, I don't care. I'm getting it at a great deal. And I said, well, yeah, you know what? I understand, especially now with, you know, we're all looking at cost of living, high price. You gotta be aware a little bit more now. Be careful what you purchase and bring into your home. Well, and this leads to, you know, everyone's talking about a recession is coming and fraud examiners, the ACFE has said that, you know, with, the recession that allegedly is coming, fraud will increase. And what do you say about organized retail crime for the same thing? It, it's uh, so I, a uh, couple of months, uh, actually, but two years now, wow. Um, I actually spoke about uh, what we call the, a tsunami. And it's here. The tsunami has landed and it's happening everywhere. Um, you look in the news every day, you're seeing some type of activity happening. Uh, you know, Toronto cops just did a $68 million bust on drugs in the streets. The fact that there's $68 million worth of drugs in the street from organized crime, they've got to now supplement that loss of income. So what are they going to do? Human trafficking, credit card fraud. And here's the thing. Fraud laws are so, I don't want to say a little bit indifferent, that a lot of them will actually go and commit fraud or human traffickers actually get individuals who work for them to now do fraud. And it's really sad that an individual, you know, is caught up in that situation. And I know they live in fear and in constant worry and a lot of enforcement is trying to do their best to stop these activities. But these are the things that we're going to see and phishing emails, cyber awareness, like we just had cyber Monday pass by, right? 
cyber awareness. Like our, our companies are now becoming more aware. I saw an article, I can't remember the gentleman's name, a 12-year-old kid was actually doing some testing and showing how toys can be manipulated. So if a 12-year-old could do something like that, could you imagine what these guys are going to do to us if the pandemic is continues, as they say, and then we have a recession? These are things, things. but I, I don't want to tell the public, be afraid, because you can educate yourself. As an individual, make sure that when you have your passwords, you got two-factor authentication. Read a little bit about password. Don't put password and then one, two, three. Or, you know, my dog's name. You know, these are things that guys are looking, and I don't want to say guys, but individuals, I should say, bad actors, are looking to infiltrate. Know how to secure your home systems. Know how to secure your Wi-Fi. Change your Wi-Fi all the time. You know, passwords, that is, every couple of months. And people are like, oh, man, I got to do this thing. Well, I got to tell you something. Me, personally, I've got between a range of 18 to 36 letters, characters, numbers within my password. The average password, according to um, a document that came out too long ago, uh, between 18 to 20 takes 436 years to break. Now, I'm, I'm sure that's going to change in the future. You're probably going to have to go out like 50, but until then, we'll, we'll deal with what's coming. So, yes, I believe fraud will increase and we'll see different types of uh, social engineering now, which it seems to be um, more of a thing. They're going into your social media profiles and they're finding that little niche where they can email you on a particular topic. So now you're like, oh, hey, pets. You know, who doesn't want to see a nice little doggy face? weeping little face, you know, you want to pay attention to it. And before you know it, you've let someone in. How many times do you get the calls from the government? We're coming to arrest you. you got to go get gift cards, right? Yeah. Or you'll get someone, hi, you know, this is Visa. We want to reduce your interest rate by to 1%. Can you give me your credit card number? Well, hold a minute. This is Visa. How come you don't have my credit card number? Little things like this will help you prepare for what's about to gonna come. Well, okay, this episode is going to come out towards the end of the year. So I'm going to say January 1st, New Year's resolution, up your passwords. Um, it's a good time to do it. I use a password manager. My kids hate my passwords because they're so incredibly long. Um, but, you know, let's just say that for 2023, we're going to be a little more password savvy. Yeah, definitely. And thank you again, Kelly, for having me on your show. It was an honor to be here. And I hope the listeners listen in and then take your advice and follow you along the way. Oh, thank you, Nigel, so much for coming. Ah.